Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday morning, October the 26th, 2021. It is 7.02 on your Tucson Tuesday. We are live on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, and we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And for the next two hours, we will try to inform and uh, entertain you in the uh, all the things that are happening in the world of sports happened and or will be happening in the world of sports and we have a full full show for you today lots of football to talk about today there's there, there's so much going on in the world of football right now it's a uh, this is this is like you know one of those seasons where you're just like you know the time of year essentially where sports radio host there's so much to prepare for because there's you, you just you have to pick and choose it's 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 almost like a uh it, it's a it's a nice problem to have when you have so much to get into especially when you have a football team who is newsworthy uh in the uh, in the local community which of course we do have as the University of Arizona going to be taking on USC this Saturday Jed Fish had his press conference yesterday with the media spoke for about uh, 19 minutes with the media thought some interesting he said some interesting things um, took some accountability for himself and the coaching staff in certain areas and passed some of the accountability off to the players in certain areas as well. So um, it's good to see the head coach, you know, starting to divvy up the, uh, uh, I, I guess the, I don't want to say the blame, but divvy up the, um, uh, split the tab with the uh, with the players, so to speak. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. I have my NFL power rankings set for uh, for today as well. I do them every two weeks. I don't do them every week. I just I'm not going to bore you guys with a list every every single stinking week. So I do them every two weeks. I think it's it's more it lends itself to more change in the list rather than just be like last week I had them here and this week I have them in the same spot and last week I had them here and this week I have them in the same spot. I just I don't I don't get it. I'm not trying to fill time that way. So uh, NFL Power Rankings. I have them here for you. This week, and there was a lot of movement, some big movers that I wasn't expecting to put on there, and I'm still kind of like, oh, maybe no, it's too high or too low, but well, that's the way they are. The way they are, they're now set in stone. So um, <laughs> we're gonna have to run with it. We're gonna be joined in hour number two by Matt Moreno of Go AZ Cats. He is our go-to guy when it comes to recruiting. He was at the Servite Modern Day game over the weekend and saw our three, uh, our three. Uh, incoming freshman for the 2022 class balling out against the number one team in the country. We will talk with him about that, other possible recruits and or uh, transfer portal guys. Also, I want to get his uh, get his thoughts on what he saw from the uh, from the baseball scrimmage over the weekend on Sunday uh, when uh, Arizona baseball took on Air Force. And also if he uh, got a chance to watch the men's basketball scrimmage video because none of the media got to watch the actual scrimmage, uh, but to see, you know, get his reactions from that. We're also going to talk about the fan, uh, Byron Kennedy, the fan who gave back the Tom Brady 600 ball. We will talk about that. Of course, he was mentioned on the Manning cast last night during Monday Night Football. That was that was a fun romp. Marshawn Lynch as soon as I saw Marshawn Lynch in the pregame with Peyton um, talking about the the the, uh, 
the Marshawn quake or whatever they called it. Beast, uh, beast mode quake. That's what it was. Uh, the beast mode quake from the playoff game against the against the Saints in uh, it was Pete Carroll's first or second year there in Seattle. Um, I knew I was like I was like oh man he must be on the Manning cast tonight. That's going to be interesting because Marshawn, like he he's cut from a, a from a different uh, from a different cloth. He does not he like he doesn't realize that he's like supposed to like be you know I guess cordial if you will uh, when he's on TV. He like he don't care like he just he, Marshawn Lynch is Marshawn Lynch one hundred percent of the time. And that was entertaining, and he did inde- definitely drop an F-bomb on ESPN last night, which is a Disney, uh, you know, of course, owned by Disney. So that's probably not going over well with the executives this morning. I'm sure they're dealing with about 600,000 emails from angry uh, angry fans just looking to you know, shout out about something or look for something for free or who knows. Uh, but regardless, interesting uh, Manning cast last night. They also had Tom Brady on the Manning cast. That was some fascinating stuff. And I thought it was funny that Tom, uh, the, uh, Tom Brady was, was basically talking about how brainless uh, defensive players were. And Teddy Bruschi uh, took to Twitter and basically said that uh, he and Tom Brady are no longer friends after Tom said that uh, playing defense is just like a dog chasing a car. That's a rough one there. <laughs> defense was responsible for a lot of those rings on his fingers. So uh, I, obviously Tom is you know a tongue-in-cheek kind of guy. But there was some, there was some fun ribbing going on. Um, Peyton Manning had to wear Eli's jersey because of the lost bet between the old Miss Tennessee game, the <laughs> all the craziness that ensued after that game at Neyland Stadium. Yeah, so we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk about Manning cast. The uh, college football head coaching carousel begins to spin round and round, even a little bit faster now as Texas Tech just fired their head coach yesterday out of the blue, just like nope, uh, winning record, don't care, bye, and they fired Matt Wells. So we'll figure out, you know, what's up with with you know Texas Tech, why they would fire their head coach in the middle of the season with a winning record. Uh, Carson Palmer dropped some names on the Dan Patrick Show yesterday yesterday morning as far as people who are interested or going to be interested in the USC job, and another name came up during the uh, during the day yesterday that I'm hoping uh, is somewhat true at least. So uh, lots of stuff to talk about today. Um, I do want to begin with this, though. So, you know, as you know, I, I, I do the endorsements for FanDuel Sportsbook. I, I do enjoy it. I'm having a great time, and I do actually participate. I'm not just one of those endorsees who talks about the, the product, you know, cashes a paycheck from them, and then just, you know, doesn't even sample the product, doesn't partake in it. I, I'm, I'm on the thing all the time. Last night, I had a parlay. I, just, I, I ran a same-game parlay last night. It was a five leg. I added the fifth leg at the last second, and I was like, "Why did I just do that?" So this is this is just an, a a, a uh, an exercise in showing you just how close things can be in the world of sports betting. Okay, so here was my this was my SGP last night in the Monday Night Football game between the Saints and the Seahawks. I had the Saints money line. Okay, no problem there. They were five and a half point favorite on the road. That was a dicey one as they ended up having, of course, kick the field goal with under two minutes remaining to take the lead and then hold on to play defense in the rain against Geno Smith to secure the victory. I had Alvin Kamara over 33.5 receiving yards. Okay, He shattered that. He had 100, like 129 receiving yards, most of her in his career. I also had Alvin Kamara an anytime touchdown score. 
he ended up being the only touchdown that the New Orleans Saints scored. I also had Jameis Winston over 204.5 passing yards, which he passed with like six minutes to go in the game and finished up with barely over that with 222 uh, yards passing. And then the fifth leg that I added, and I was in, in the in the FanDuel Sportsbook, you can just hit the little button, you know, whatever whatever button you want and for you know for the market or whatever the play that you want and you hit it and it shows you what your odds are and then you hit it again you can turn it off and you can kind of see like okay how much money am i going to make if if i if if this hits you know and i was like back and forth back and forth okay that much that much that much i'm like i'm just going to do it and i turned it on i activated the fifth leg and i just hit bet i hit the green button and i was like done and i put my phone down and i was like damn it why did i do that <laughs> That's a stupid bet. You're going to lose this four-leg, this parlay, because of that fifth leg you just added on there. That leg was a DK Metcalf anytime touchdown, which was the first thing to go, right? The 84-yard touchdown pass in the first quarter. But this is how close things get and how dicey things can be when you're gambling on sports. There were two touchdowns in the game last night. They were scored by Alvin Kamara and DK Metcalf, whom I both had in my same-game parlay. Jameis Winston beat his over by 18 yards, which is barely. Alvin Kamara decimated his. And the New Orleans Saints did not even cover a five-and-a-half-point spread against a Geno Smith-led team. It was close, folks. It was razor thin. And I'm feeling pretty lucky this morning. Listen, cashing in that one, it felt awesome. I was like, yeah. And, you know, I do the whole... I, you know, kind of in my mind, I'm like walking the ticket up to the booth and sliding the ticket under there, and I'm like, pay the man, pay me, you know. <laughs> I do that in my mind. There is none of that. Um, I was paid. Uh, it was in my account like 15 minutes after the game was over. They had to uh, confirm the statistics of the game. But, uh, yeah, it was, in, it was in the account 15 minutes later. But that was a close one, folks. Like that's that's how razor thin things can be. When you start uh, messing with those SGPs, and, and look, it was fun. I had a great time doing it. I, I enjoyed it. Obviously, I enjoyed it more because I was able to cash in a pretty good-sized ticket, I'll, I'll, I'll admit. that's uh, the, uh, the odds on that one were pretty, pretty nice. <laughs> uh, it, it was a good one. It's going to be a, a nice steak dinner uh, this weekend. But um, uh, that's just how close things can get. I mean, look, NFL, anything can happen. The league is full of extremely talented football players on both sides of the ball and on both teams. There are situations where you look at a game and you think you know, but you just don't know, says the great Jim Mora, of course. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you think you, you think you got it all figured out, and then, you know, you fall flat on your face. And, look, I've fallen flat on my face plenty of times over the weekend in uh, in sports gambling. But last night was a different story. Very happy to cash in that ticket. Um, so the the NFL power rankings, again, I'll, I'll do that here coming up in just a little bit. Um, there was a lot of movement. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just, you know, blow the top off it right now. The Cardinals are still number one in my NFL power rankings. There's no change there. There's no reason to change there. They're the best team in football. There's no question about it. They find out yesterday that Devontae Adams, the – all-pro, future Hall of Fame, potentially wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. Went He tested positive for COVID. He's in COVID protocol, and because of the short week, he doesn't have enough time to test out of it. 
So they're going to be without Devontae Adams. And I, I, I kid you not, I kid you not, yesterday, as soon as the news came out, I got hit with about four different text messages from, from different people, all of them basically saying the same thing. The Cardinals are the luckiest team in football. <laughs> Look, and, and my answer to them was, yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of breaks going their way, and you need that in an NFL season or a college season or whatever. Sometimes it's a team that catches the most breaks that ends up winning, you know, winning the championship. I had the Cardinals winning that game by more than a touchdown, even with Devontae Adams. It with two Devontae Adams. I don't care. Like Cardinals are markedly better than the Green Bay Packers are. And I know the Packers have won six games in a row, and this is like the like the third time. Um, what what's the what's the the the, the stat about the the teams with uh, six six consecutive wins? It's the third time. In prime time, the third prime time game in NFL history, where two teams are on a six-plus game winning streak—that's what it was, courtesy of our friend Field Yates. So it's the just the third time in NFL history that there's going to be a prime time game with two teams with a six or more uh, game winning streak. So, I, I listen again. I don't care that the Packers have won six games in a row. I don't particularly care for the sample of teams that they played. You know they got into a, a you know rough one in San Francisco, and Aaron you know Aaron Rodgers was able to pull it out. Obviously, when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, anything is possible. Any look, anything is possible. I just I don't I don't see the matchup just doesn't work out for me. I like I I just don't like the matchup here. The the, the Packers are going to be playing without their best corner, and you're going to be playing against the Cardinals, who just run five guys out there that can all catch the ball, stretch the field. Score touchdowns, make plays. I, good luck. Good luck. They're running the football incredibly. They've got the three-headed monster behind the line of scrimmage with not only with Kyler Murray, his ability to run, but also, of course, you know, Edmonds and Connor. It, it, they're just a juggernaut right now, and the matchup does not favor the Green Bay Packers at all. The fact that it's still only, a, I think, six-and-a-half-point uh, spread in that game, it, to me, is, I, I don't know, I think that's, there's a lot of value in that if you like to bet spreads. But uh, I, I just – people are like, oh, the Cardinals, luckiest team ever. They would have decimated the Packers anyways. <laughs> That's not a good matchup, folks. Now, if the Cardinals were to play the Rams, when the Rams don't have Cooper Cup or Aaron Donald is out or Matthew Stafford, you know, gets, you know, gets hurt on the first play of the game or some freak play, you know, then, okay, sure. You know, if they played – the Buccaneers right now without Rob Gronkowski and, you know, let, let's say, you know, uh, you know, maybe, you know, Ali Marpet or something like that is out for the, you know, for the Buccaneers and they get harassed in the, in the backfield, you know, the Cardinals are able to get after him. Then you can say, sure, you know, or the Cowboys decide to rest Dak Prescott based on his sore ankle uh, when they play the Cardinals. Then you can say, yeah, okay, they're the luckiest team. They, they would have won this game anyways. So <laughs> I get it. I, I understand, you know, the, the, the perception is is that the Cardinals are catching all the breaks this year. And that may be part of it, but there's still no denying that they're the best team in football. They're the best team through seven games in the, uh, in the NFL this season, and they're going to continue to be the best team after they put probably a two-touchdown whipping on the Packers on Thursday night. It's going to happen. Like I said, it's going to happen, and it would have happened with or without Devontae Adams. Don't matter. 
So don't go crying if you're, you know, Packers fan or I mean, listen, as a as a Niners fan, I should be the one like Cardinals are the luckiest team ever. No. They're the best team. They're the best team in the NFL. They're not the luckiest team, they're the best team in the NFL. Sure. Again, they've gotten some breaks. Did they did they catch any breaks when they just absolutely unloaded on the Tennessee Titans on the road in in week 1? They didn't I don't think they really caught any breaks there. They you know, they made their own luck. I See, and that's where like that's where I also kind of I guess maybe it's just my mentality. People ask me about my career all the time, how my career started, you know, what you know, the fact of the matter is I've been in this I've been in this business for 25 years. I got the, I got my start with one of the biggest radio stations in the entire country. Uh that was my first job, working with one of the best morning shows in the country on one of the biggest radio stations in the country. It's it was just a a, a great break for me in my career. And people say, wow, you were really lucky to get that. And my response is, you make your own luck. Like, being lucky is, you know, walking down the street and finding a $100 bill. Like, wow, how lucky for me. Okay? As far as, like, stuff that happens to you in your life and stuff like that, I always tell people, like, no, 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 you make your own luck. You're not lucky. You make your own luck. You make things happen. People's, uh, I'm not one of those people that buys into the, the oh, everything happens for a reason. Like, there's some, uh, like, there's some marionette uh, puppeteer out there controlling our lives with uh, unbeknownst to us. You make things happen. You make your own luck. Things happen to you because of the choices that you make and the decisions that you, you, you know, the roads you've gone down and the things you've done and the way you've prepared yourself for certain things and the way you execute certain things. That, that's why things happen the way that they do. It's not because of some unforeseen fate. And people aren't just inherently lucky. Some people do get lucky. Winning the lottery is lucky. There's also like a one in six billion chance of winning the lottery. <laughs> okay? It's not necessarily making your own luck unless you play the same numbers, you know, every every week and stuff like that. And if you do that, then sure, maybe you are making your own luck. Eventually those numbers hit. So I still think that's a little bit lucky. But for the Cardinals, they're making their own luck. Devontae Adams being out doesn't make a difference in this game. The Cardinals were going to win that game regardless. The fact that he's out may, you know, make things quite a bit more difficult for the Green Bay Packers to win that game. Although, you could look at it the other way. Maybe the Cardinals come in a little overconfident and get bit in the ass on it. I don't know. Could happen that way as well. So, uh, coming up after the break here, we'll have the uh, the the reactions to Jed Fish's Monday press conference we'll talk about he, he discussed right at the end of the at the end of the uh at the end of the press conference he talked about the running back depth chart and i thought that was really interesting he talked about a bunch of other things as well but we'll talk about that coming up right after the break here you're listening to the jeff dean show on espn tucson the jeff dean show on espn tucson is brought to you by desert diamond casinos desert diamond is true tucson now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. The Fall Classic is back, and it starts tonight. Game one of the World Series, and FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking all customers up with a risk-free same-game parlay bet. So, you know how I was saying that those SGPs can be so razor thin? Well, this one's great because it's risk-free. You can place the same game parlay bet on game one of the series tonight, and if you don't win, they'll refund you in site credit. 
You can build your parlay any way you want. And trust me, folks, there are so many markets for this baseball game. It is outrageous. Spread, total runs, home run hitters. You can bet pitching. You can bet defense. You can bet per inning runs. There are so many different ways to build an SGP. You can build it your way, any way you want to. And the best part is it's risk-free. You get a refund insight credit when you're, uh, if and when your, uh, your bet doesn't win. So, you know, like, for instance, you can go with money, like Astros money line tonight, Charlie Morton over strikeouts five and a half, and the over total runs of eight and a half. That's what I'm going to go with. I've already got it locked in, so we're good to go for game one. As far as my SGP goes, we'll see if it continues to, uh, uh, to pay out like it did last night. Look, FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook for a lot of reasons. It's easy to use. They uh, feature fast withdrawals. And there's tons of, like, fun odds boosts and specials and promos every day. They're sending you new stuff, which is really fun. And there's cool new stuff out there. And they send fun suggestions of things that you can look at, like popular parlays and stuff that are being bet. And you can jump in on those or tweak them any way you want. It's awesome. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, make the most out of October baseball and download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. But use my promo code, DEAN, so that you can get your first risk-free bet up to $1,000. Risk-free up to $1,000. But you got to use my promo code, Dean. That's the promotion we're extending to you. 21 and over in President Arizona. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit. expires in seven days. Max refund is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. Jed Fish, in his Monday presser yesterday, spoke of many things. He spoke about... And, and, and I listen, I talked about this yesterday myself because I saw and felt the exact same thing inside the stadium from five stories up. I could tell that it was happening as well. He spoke of the deflation of the team, like basically the team morale was completely deflated after the interception. The first and 10 on the 28-yard line, the screen pass that was intercepted by Latui Nasanoa, and, you know, he, 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 went, he went in great length. Uh, about that particular play. He said that you could kind of feel that there was a here-we-go-again feeling on the sideline from his players. I, I felt the exact same thing. I said it yesterday on the show. I said it was he threw the pick, and it was like everybody started kicking rocks and said, here we go again. He felt the exact same thing on the sideline from his team. Now, as a head coach, if you feel something like that is happening, then you, it's, it's, it's incumbent on you to do something about it, which is the reason why, and on, I mean, this is honestly, folks, this is the only reason why I will take issue with his decision to punt on fourth and one at the 34 with 10 and a half minutes to go. He said, now he said, uh, he said after the game, and then he mentioned it yesterday in the presser, that he basically just wouldn't be able to look his defense in the face if he had decided to go for it. They punted. Uh, they ended up punting, and, and Ostendorp has been great all year. Uh, punted the ball down to the 18, but then UW came back, with 82 yards for the touchdown, and there were problems there. We'll break down that that whole situation here in a moment. I've gone back and forth with the decision to punt, even even when I was up in my perch above the stadium calling the game that night. I felt, and this is just you know, the, the feeling, the emotion uh, that's wrapped up in the game, I felt that he should have gone for it. At the time, I was like, man, I think he should go for it here. Because, you know, when you look at, you know, they, they had run Jalen John three consecutive times for nine yards, 
He went three, or two, two, six, and one. Two yards, six yards, one yard. It was fourth and one on their own 34. They're up two points, okay? He's trying whatever he can do to preserve that lead, and his defense had just gotten off the field. I get it, okay? Defense had just gotten off the field um, after giving up that touchdown. Didn't want to just send them back out there pinned with their backs to the end zone. But I will tell you this. You know, he said he couldn't look his defense in the face. I feel like if he had gone for it, that they would have gladly gone out there if if the offense weren't able to pick it up. I think the defense, this is just my opinion, would have gladly gone out there and fought for their offense. This is the, the, the one thing about these guys in this particular iteration of the Arizona Wildcats is they play for one another. They, they do play for one another. They don't play for a full 60 minutes, but they play for one another. And the reason, the, and, and, you know, when Jed said after the game, I couldn't look my defense in the face, we're up two, I just, I just feel like, you know, even if, we, even if we give them, you know, zero yards, they have a chance at a 50-yard field goal from there. And, you know, now we're down 17-16 because of a decision I made. I totally understand that. And I, trust me, I really, really do. But he felt it on the sideline that the team was losing its, its morale. They were losing its, their mojo. You have to do something as a head coach to reignite that flame. Okay? Flame had gone out. You need to reignite it. You need to kickstart it, do whatever you need to do. Going for it on fourth and one when you felt like you had the dudes to get it was the way to do that, the way to wrestle your team back, the way to reignite the fire within them. Now, who knows what happens after they get I do believe they would have gotten the first down. I, I honestly, genuinely believe it. I think that Jed would have come up with the right play and that the, that the, that the Wildcats would have converted that fourth down into a first down and would have extended the drive. What happens after that, who knows? We don't know. Will Plummer may have thrown an interception on the next play and got returned for a pick six, and everything's everything's lost. Who knows what happens next? But that's not what you're that's not what you're supposed to think about. The team was having the "here we go again, kicking rocks" type of feeling after going down, or you know, after Washington went down 16-14, giving up the interception. Okay, and and there was penalties starting to to accrue, and the team could kind of feel it that swell coming. You have to like a you know like an arm wrestling match. You know they're about to be pinned. You got to find something. You got to find the strength within to even that back up. You got to bring that arm back forward, level that level that contest back up again. And by punting, it was just kind of like okay, you know it, it's status quo. Everything's fine here, and I get that. Okay, trust I, trust me. I see both sides. I really really do. And I hope other people feel the same way because there really is a lot of credence. There's a lot of smart football in the decision to punt on fourth and one at your own 34 when you got the lead. Okay? There's a lot of smart football. But I think for this particular team, in that instance, you just had to go for it. You had to. And, again, this is, these, are, you know, these are things that we talk about when we're talking about every football game. There's a coach that made a one bad decision in a football game. This does not make Jet Fish a bad coach, as many of you have have intimated. Okay? This was a decision that he went with, which was a smart football decision that I just happened to disagree with. That's all. It was a smart football decision. And nine times out of ten, it's the right decision. 
However, in that particular instance, it was on him to feel. And, and now that we know that he was feeling that loss of morale on the sideline, it was on him as the head coach and the leader of that football program to get it back. And the way you do that was by going for it on fourth and one. Even if you don't get it, it's okay. You put faith in your offense, who has been just awful all season long. You put faith in them to get you one stinking yard in a game where you have the lead to try to eat more clock. I, I just feel like that was that was a fail point for, for Jed Fish in this game. And, again, there were fail points to be handed out all over the place. But in that situation, and I, and I because people are really focusing on that, and I do I do feel it was it was a, a, a one of the many linchpins in the game, one of the several linchpins in the game, because it then led to UW going down the field, get a big play, the fifty one yarder. Uh, we'll talk about that drive coming up after the break, uh, because that was the uh, that was the, the the nail in the coffin essentially, or what would lead to the nail in the coffin um, eventually there. All right, still more from the Jed Fish Monday press conference next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, so yesterday at the Jed Fish press conference, we discussed already, you know, his decision to punt on the fourth and one after he felt like his team was starting to lose themselves a little bit. Uh, you know, the emotion was was fleeting. Uh, he punts down to the 18. They get a nine-yard run. from they, they had just brought in their new tailback, Cameron Davis, who gave them a little bit of a, a different look. Um, he got nine yards on the first carry. Then they get a first down on a three-yard run. Then a two-yard run at the 32 and then they pop the big one for Terrell Bynum, the 51-yard pass that goes down to the uh, to the 16-yard line. Then they try to go for Bynum again, and it's incomplete. So it's second and ten. Then they try to run the ball. Arizona stands them up. Uh, Cameron Davis hits a one-yard run. Uh, sorry, that was down to the 16. The other play was to the 17. Cameron Davis gets a one-yard run to the 16. Now it's third and nine, okay, and the score is still 16-14. You're thinking, okay, we hold here. We force them to kick a field goal. Their field goal kicker is pretty good. Peyton Henry's pretty good, pretty good kicker. Um, we hold them here. It's 17-16. We are still well within striking distance of winning this game. We know that Lucas Haversick has a 55-plus yard leg, um, you know, as long as he's accurate. And he was kicking well that night, really well uh, that night, in fact. You know, we got a chance. They throw the ball into the end zone, essentially, and instead of allowing the touchdown, uh, we get the defensive holding. I think it was, uh, was it Jackson Turner maybe, or was it Christian Wallace? I don't remember which one it was. Uh, anyway, defensive holding, look, you, you had to. They got beat. It was going to be a touchdown. Um, so they had, to, they had to do that. So they do the, you know, half the distance to the goal, they get a first new set of downs, and then they hit Adunze for the eight-yard touchdown pass. He's wide open. Um, hit him for the eight-yard touchdown pass. And then at that point, it was like, yep, the team at that point realized they weren't going to win that football game, even though there was uh, – how much time was left on the clock at that point? 6.44? Yeah, 6.44 left on the clock at that time. No reason to stop playing. And I'm not saying that they quit, but mentally – 
they checked out. They were like, yep, we knew this was going to happen. Here we go again, as Jed Fish said. He then talked about failures in the passing game. He was asked about, you know, why, you know, why does the passing game look like this? Why does it, uh, you know, why is it working the way it is right now? He said that that some of it is due to not being able to see multi-level receivers who are open. When I say multi-level receivers, meaning that, you know, when the question was asked, like why, you know, the the passing yards is only, you know, there's only been, you know, all the all the passes are nine yards or less. Okay, he said. You know, Jed Fish attributed that to, to several reasons. Number one, that they're not seeing the multiple levels of receivers that are that are going on. He, he you know he said on most of those routes there are guys running at different levels. There's going to be three different levels of receivers to choose from on those routes, and they're choosing the short route as opposed to the the middle or the deep route. He said that they missed Jalen Johnson wide open in the end zone on a crossing route, and they did. I remember that play. They were heading into the north end zone. Jalen Johnson, who has got some got some good skill as a wide receiver, uh, did a kind of a double move at the you know about six yards to the goal line and started streaking towards the middle of the end zone and was wide open at the same time that Will Plummer essentially dumped the ball off to Stanley Berryhill for a four yard gain. You know those types of plays, and again the pocket was collapsing and that's what. Jed Fish talked about. He said there was breakdowns and protection on a lot of those plays, and he was right. The pocket was collapsing a little bit, but it wasn't in a situation where he was in dire need. He wasn't in the grasp of anybody. There was just there was a good upfield rush. They had beaten the two tackles as they did on several occasions on on Friday night. If Will Plummer just steps up, okay, gets himself into that little bit of a tighter pocket, but now he's in a closed pocket, and yeah, he may get hit you know, from behind, or he may get hit uh, from, you know, a defensive tackle kind of reaching out, just trying to, who's being blocked by the center or guard. You may take one of those, but at least you give yourself an extra four to six-tenths of a second to deliver a football. And if he had kept his head up and stepped in, stepped up into that pocket, he would have seen Jalen Johnson bursting wide open into the end zone. And I mean wide open. See, that's one of the one of the luxuries that I have of sitting so high up is I get to see everything. It's like little ants on the field uh, running around. It really. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I, it's not that bad. It's not from 10,000 feet or something like that. But I get to see all the play develop from up above. I'm watching the entire play. And I can see when players are about to break open. And, I mean, people that work with me will tell you, I'm like, I'm like there it is. I'll say, you know, he's got it. He beat him. And then the ball doesn't get delivered, and it's frustrating, you know, because then I have to crack the mic and I say, you know, Plumber's pass complete to Stanley Barry Hill for a gain of four yards when I should be saying touchdown Arizona. Will Plummer, 26 yards to Jalen Johnson, you know, whatever. You know, he, he, he spoke about that. He also said the, the scheme is just causing them these issues. There's – the scheme because of the lack of depth, obviously, with Will Plummer being their only quarterback that they have left. And, of course, performance in the passing game. They have to – they can't just let Will Plummer go out there and throw the ball 40 times and have him throwing deep balls all day long. He's not ready. This offense is not ready. The cohesion, the, the work of all 11 people on that offense is not ready for that type of game plan. Not to mention, if the quarterback gets hurt, now we're really screwed. So 
there's it, it's a there's a multitude of things that are that are contributing to the passing game being what it is right now and the way it's going to be probably for the rest of the season. He then talked about the 12 men on the field penalty. Took a lot of ownership for that. Basically said that you know that was an inexcusable problem, an inexcusable mistake on the sideline. He said he did confirm that it was a package, a new package that they had instituted for that particular situation where there was two down linemen and five linebackers. It was a 2-5 uh, look, which th- th- that's kind of like one of the new hotness in, in the NFL and in college football. It's 2-5. This 2-5 defense where they're running a ton of linebackers out there and guys that are able to still you, – you can, you can play against the run with that because you have guys who are quicker – than offensive linemen. So the way you beat a lot of the zone schemes is you beat them to the point where they're going, and you can stop the run that way. So it, it's it's a it's a new concept that is really taking hold in a lot of places. And teams aren't going to run two five all day long. You will get absolutely crushed if you try to run it all the time. But there are plenty of teams who are running a lot of two five package. The linebacker in this situation, um, I believe, it was Jerry Roberts who I think he was the one that I saw that was like pointing like, we don't have a lineman here, and Levell Tatum is like, oh, crap, we don't have a lineman. i got to get out there. Ran out there. By the time the coaches tried to call him back, it was too late. He was getting down into his stance, and Washington was snapping the ball. And so there you go. Now, granted, even though it was a, a package, a 2-5 package, the linebackers didn't seem to be in position yet. Like, I don't think the linebackers – so there was a breakdown in communication there. They sent a sub package in with this two five, you know, look that they were going to give, and I think that some of the linebackers didn't get the message. So whatever happened there, that absolutely needs to be fixed. You know, and and it's it, it's 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 really rough because they had just taken a timeout because they only had ten men on the field. So you take you get ten men on the field, you're like we're, we're going to lose this. You, get, you take a timeout, boom. Jed Fish talks about hating that. He, you know, he, he wants to have all three timeouts in the second half under five minutes to go. He wants to have them all, all three of them. Okay? It's good. They had to take the timeout because you had ten men on the field. You're going to get beat. So they take the timeout. Come out. Now they got this sub package in. It wasn't described to the linebackers properly or whatever, at least to Jerry Roberts. He's like, we need a lineman. We need a lineman. Leave El Tatum standing right there ready to run in on the field for rapid changes, right? Because he was, he was like that guy that was running in and out of the, uh, of, of the game all the time in that particular situation. And he goes run on the field, and that was it. It was just – it's things that happen to losing teams. The, and, and I'm not saying that it's just, you know, manifested out of thin air. They made that happen. I mean, the, the reason that they're – uh, you know, this losing team is is partially because of situations like that. Decisions that are made in that situ- in, in those particular situations, things that happen in those situations, not being able to communicate properly, uh, whatever have you. That's on the coaching staff. Uh, you know, when you have a package in there that doesn't get communicated right after a timeout and you get caught with 12 men on the field and you weren't able to stop your guy from running in, that's that's on you. Sorry, that's that's on you. And I'm not saying that the, the, that was the reason that they lost the game. It was certainly <laughs> – that was certainly the ending of uh, of any chance because it was – you know, he, he said that they, they get the ball back. If they get the stop, they get the ball back with about 2.10 remaining 
Instead, they got the ball back with 21 seconds. That's that's a monumental difference in the game. Monumental difference. And then I thought it was funny. Justin Justin Spears tweeted this out yesterday, and I was I, I saw the tweet before I got a chance to see the press conference. And I'm wondering, like, what in the world is Jed Fish talking about? So Justin tweeted out yesterday, he goes, Jed Fish just basically said, I didn't come to Arizona to run the triple option. PP, triple option. Thank you, Khalil Tate, for that forever for that forever tweet. Now, he was asked about – somebody asked about the option, like running the option in college football. He basically said that if you're a Power 5 team running the option, that you're shooting yourselves in the foot, that you're, you're handicapping yourself before you even get onto the field. He said that you know, Georgia Tech was able to have some, some success uh, in Power 5 football, but the academies run it because they don't have talent to run anything else. <laughs> so he's like, we're not running the option. That's – that's not an option. <laughs> Didn't come to Arizona to run no triple option. So there you go. Oh, that was pretty funny. Funny by from Justin. Nothing funny about what Jetfish said. There was a there was a lot of a lot of pain in that press conference yesterday. A lot of uh, a lot of self accountability. A lot of pain, realizing that you let one slip away. So Arizona comes up uh, next now against the got to go. Travel out to the Coliseum for a 4 o'clock kickoff against USC. USC licking their wounds after coming back from a beatdown against Notre Dame. And uh, we'll have more on that throughout the week, of course, as well. Uh, FC Tucson tickets, we're going to be giving those away at some point today. So be listening for your cue to call for that. Of course, Matt Moreno coming up at 8.30 to talk some more basketball, uh, more football and basketball recruiting, of course. Uh, my NFL Power Rankings coming up. And Arizona Basketball's Secret Scrimmage. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Not much time here before the top of the hour break. Do some hockey news real quick here. As the Coyotes lose to the Florida Panthers last night, Panthers go to 6-0, Coyotes 0-5-1. And uh, in the game, the Coyotes lost a, uh, a couple of players, including goaltender Carter Hutton, uh, to a lower body injury. They also lost Connor Timmons to a lower body injury. And the Coyotes will recall defenseman Cam Deneen, as well as goalie Ivan uh, Prozvatov from the, uh, the Roadrunners. So Deneen and Prozvatov going to be leaving Tucson and heading up to the big club um, to travel with the Coyotes, so um, if you're a uh, if you're a Roadrunner fan and uh, appreciate those players, you can now watch them with the uh, with the with the with the big club with the Coyotes for a little bit until uh, we get more word on when Hutton uh, is going to be back and and any of the other uh, injuries, including some defenseman injuries, there for the Coyotes. It's going to be a rough season for the Coyotes this year, really rough season. So there's going to be plenty more of these call ups um, as we as we continue through the season. Also today, October twenty sixth in the history of sports, one of my favorite, one of my favorite like announcing calls of all time. It's the bottom of the eleventh inning in Game Six of the World Series. They're in Minnesota. The Atlanta Braves are taking on the Minnesota Twins. Kirby Puckett steps to the plate, and he crushes one, sends it over the outfield wall, and before the ball leaves the ballpark, the announcer that night says just 
uh, I, five of the, my favorite words in announcing history. We'll see you tomorrow night. That was uh, today in, uh, in sports history, 1991. Jeez, that was 30 years ago. <laughs> I, mean, I remember watching that game. It was, it was great. Do you remember the old, uh, the old Metrodome where the Minnesota Twins played? It was, so, it was so hockey of them. They had plexiglass on the outfield wall. They, they, you know, because there were home runs being hit in the Metrodome like it was like they were being handed out like Christmas cookies. And so they tried to make things more difficult by putting these 10-foot plexiglass walls extending above the outfield wall. So very Canadian of them. So very hockey of them to put plexiglass around the Metrodome outfield wall. But uh, Kirby Puckett cleared that one, and then we all know what happened in Game 7. Jack Morris, big time. But, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow night. One of my favorite announcing statements ever. Quotes ever. I, I use it all the time. If a team walks it off to force a Game 6 or a Game 7 or something, I always say that. We'll see you tomorrow night. Love it. All right, hour number two coming up. Stay here. It's just a quick two-minute break. We'll come back with my NFL Power Rankings, Matt Moreno, and a whole lot more right here on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.